0: We're so glad you came and joined with us, and aren't you glad you belong to a church where your children ministry will tempt children? <laughs> this is why they say to him, get behind me, Satan. That's where all that comes from. Okay. Tonight we're studying the book of John, and look with us to our passage find the book of John chapter 10. book of John chapter 10, we'll begin reading with verse 30. While you're turning there, we are having church next Sunday night, but we do want you to attend the Pumpkin Patch. It's a great opportunity to witness, a great opportunity to see people. And many people, we found through the years when we do these kind of events, many people for the very first time will come on this property for that kind of event. And they're coming and they're watching. They want to know are these people real? Are these people uh, as loving as they say on their ads? Are these people uh, really love Jesus? Do they really love us? And so uh, just being here, uh, seeing people, talking to people, uh, just demonstrating the love of Christ is important. So we want to encourage you to be here for the pumpkin patch. But yes, we are going to have church Sunday night uh, next week. And we're looking at John chapter 11, uh, the raising of Lazarus. And so hope you'll be back next Sunday night. Book of John chapter 10. Jesus has been talking, telling the Pharisees, telling the religious leaders who he is, but they're not listening. And so he says it again, very clear words in verse 30. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? And the Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blasphemy? because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. And therefore, they were seeking again to seize him. And he eluded their grasp. And he went away again beyond the Jordan, to a place where John was first baptizing and he was staying there. And many came to him and were saying, while John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true. Many believed in him there. Pray with me. Father in heaven, help us tonight as we look at the most important question we can ever ask. And that is, who is Jesus? And Father, if there's any doubt, if the Father has any question, Father, I pray that you will clear it up tonight based upon your word and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Years ago, the lead singer of YouTube, Bono, did an interview and they asked Bono, who's a believer, who is Jesus? I love how some people can answer it when they're not. Uh, uh, preachers uh, they're not part of the academia and this is what Bono said in the interview I think a defining question for a Christian is who is Christ and I don't think you're all let off easily by saying he was a great thinker a great philosopher because actually he went around saying he was the Messiah that's why he was crucified he was crucified because he said he was the son of God so he either in my view was the son of God or he was nuts Forget rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like Charles Manson-type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that a whole millions and millions of lives, half the earth, for 2,000 years have been touched, have felt their lives touched, and inspired by some nutter. <laughs> See, he can get away with that. But he's right. Who is Christ is the central question for all of us. And this person... 2,000 years ago, we are still trying to figure out who he is. Well, some people are. But Bono, with clarity, said that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, in our text, again, we find the Pharisees and the the religious leaders still trying to understand who Jesus is. And last week, we saw where they asked Jesus the question, tell us plainly, verse 24, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus gave them a great answer, but they still wouldn't listen. But it is still a, a wonderful question we need to ask. You know, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly, who are you? Because there are people in our world, they'll look at Jesus. I, I've talked to some, you have too. They, they'll say, oh, Jesus is just a good teacher. And there are others, they would say, oh, no, he was just a radical revolutionary. And there are others who say, oh, no, he was just a great moral leader. But how you answer the question, who is Jesus, will determine your life here and your life eternally. So who is Jesus? What is the truth about Jesus? I mean, if you're going to ask me who is Jesus, I mean, tonight I would tell you, he was a Jewish carpenter who walked the earth 2,000 years ago in an obscure region of the Roman Empire. He had an itinerant Ministry as a preacher, never wrote a book, only little only ministry only lasted about three and a half years. He was killed on a Roman cross, buried, and the third day came out of the grave. Oh, there's more. One day he's going to return to earth and judge everyone and make everything right. Oh, there's more. It's Jesus, one hundred percent man, one hundred percent God. He lived a sinless life while on earth. He is part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the only way to salvation through him. That's who he is. And that's what Jesus is going to say tonight. In clear words, once we understand what he's saying. Now, what I just said, if you are a believer, you get it. But if you're not a believer, you're looking at me and you're thinking, are you crazy? I remember years ago, I was talking to someone. And I gave that that kind of answer I thought Jesus was and they looked at me and they said I cannot believe someone this time in the 20th century would believe that. I do. And many of us do. Because it's the truth. Jesus is the son of God. So tonight the question is the truth about Jesus who is he? And Jesus Jesus Tells the Pharisees, he tells the scribes in two basic ways. First, Jesus' words say that he is the Son of God. Jesus' words say he is the Son of God. Look at verse 30. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus claimed he was the Son of God. Now, there are some contemporary writers, there are some contemporary speakers that will say, Jesus never claimed he was God. Show them this verse. This verse is probably the best verse to show Jesus saying, I am God. I mean, the Bible has 66 books, and those 66 books have about 12,000 chapters. All those 12,000 chapters, there are about 41,000 verses, and every single one is pointing to Jesus, who he is. It's the same question the Pharisees asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. What do you think about the Christ? Who who is he? Same thing when Jesus asked the disciples, "Who who do they say the son of man is? And Peter answered, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember what we said, the reason John wrote this book? I mean, John tells us in John chapter 20, verse 31, but these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. So John tells us, I am writing this so you would know who Jesus is. And so in chapter 10, verse 30, he tells us plainly, I and the Father are one. Now that Greek word, one, means in essence. It means the same thing. What Jesus is saying, when you say God the Father, you're saying me. When you're saying God, you're saying me. When you say me, you're saying God. He is claiming equality with God. That's the that only way that you could translate that verse. Now, we may not understand it, but the Jews did, because look what they did in the next verse. They picked up stones again to stone them. They've already done it one other time. John chapter 8, when Jesus was talking about he was before Abraham, and they wanted to kill him, they picked up stones. Why? Because he was claiming to be God. He was claiming to live before Abraham. He was claiming to be God at the beginning of time, and they took up stones to stone him, because that's caused blasphemy. You can't say this. But now Jesus is saying even more clearly, I and the Father are one. We're the same thing. And they understood exactly what he meant. I mean, when Jesus said this, this was the game changer. When Jesus said this, he is saying to all of us, I am God. And you've heard me say it many times. Because he said this, we cannot say Jesus was just a moral man because he claimed he was God. And if Jesus is lying, we can't say he's a great teacher because he's crazy. And if he didn't know that he wasn't God and he wasn't God, we can't follow him. I mean, when Jesus said this phrase, I and the Father are one, he drew a line in the sand of how we're going to treat him. One of my favorite quotations from C.S. Lewis, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. You must take your choice. Either this was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. And There are many religions out there. There are many groups out there. They want to say that Jesus was simply a great human leader. That is impossible because of what Jesus said. I and the Father... Or one. Now, he's been saying that all through the book of John. Have you noticed? John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 4, 14. Jesus with the word. Word was the creation. John chapter 4, verse 26. The one who speaks to you, I am. John chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. John 8, verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. John chapter 10, verse 9, I am, the door. John chapter 10, verse 11, I am, the good shepherd. I mean, all of those phrases, he is saying, I am God, because he's using that phrase, I am. They knew exactly what he was talking about. Jesus is claiming he is God, and he's claiming it by his words. And there are so many other passages Throughout the Bible, I mean, Jesus claimed the angels obeyed him. In Matthew 13, verse 41, the Son of Man will send out his angels. In John chapter 5, Jesus claimed to be the ultimate judge of all men. He said, the Father has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Matthew 28, he claimed to possess all power in heaven and earth. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me luke chapter 5 he claimed to have the power over sin to forgive sin he said friend your sins are forgiven well only god can forgive sin john chapter 5 verse 28 he claimed he could raise people from the dead and next week we're going to see them do it he said all who are in the grave will hear his voice and they will come out john chapter 10 verse 18 he again he said i have the authority to take my own life and raise it up again John chapter 14, he said, "I am. no one can come to the, God the Father but through him. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. He claimed to give eternal life. John chapter 10, verse 28 again, I give them eternal life. You, do you see the pattern here? Over and over, Jesus is saying, I am God. And the moment he says that, we don't have many options. Because if he is God, as he said, we are to follow him. But if he's not God, we shouldn't have anything to do with him. Those are the options. Now, Jesus is going to show them another way to say it. To prove his words, he's going to sh- use their words. Now, the next passage is kind of complicated, so you have to follow with me. He's going to identify what they have been saying based on the book of Psalms, chapter 82. Verse 34, has it not been written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he calls them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the son of God. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's going to the book of Psalms, and there's this passage there. And the passage where he says, you are God's, small g. Now, scholars have debated who, who they're talking about in Psalms. Most people believe that he's talking to the judges, or some people believe that he's talking to Israel. Here's what he's saying By the authority of God, you are using the authority of God. And he used that little phrase, God, small g, to show that they have the power of God in their lives. Now, they're not gods, understand, but the Psalm. He's using that terminology. And Jesus said, hey, guys, you have no problem with that. If those who acted unjustly on God's behalf are called gods, how dare you say to the one who is really the son of God, he can't be God. How can you blaspheme me when you take this verse and you say, you have no problem with this verse of the sinful people, But I come to you as the son of God with all authority, and you don't accept it. How can you not accept me? How can you accuse me of of blasphemy? Here's another way to put it. I I love what one preacher said. He said, imagine if I had a a Nerf ball in my hand, and I ask, is this a softball? Well, yeah, it's soft. And then I I take a real softball and I said, now, this is a real softball. You call this a softball, but this is a real softball. Here's what Jesus is saying. In the book of Psalm, you're saying the the little gods, but I am the real God. I am the real God. I am the one who came from the Father. And so Jesus is using the Scripture to show them there is that, that ability to say, I am the true God. So Jesus is using some sarcastic reminders because he tells them to go back and look at it. He said, and by the way, the scripture cannot be broken. In other words, you can't set aside the law. You can't pick and choose what you want to believe. I've come from the heavenly father. I'm not blaspheming. You want to disregard my words, but I'm using the words of the heavenly father. So not only is it the words of Jesus... That says He's the Son of God, but also the works of Jesus says He's the Son of God. Look again what Jesus says. Verse 38, verse 33. "For a good work, we do not stone you," the Jews answer, "But for blasphemy and because you being a man, make yourself out to be God." Now look at verse 37. Jesus said, "If I do not do the works of my Father." Do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look at my works. My works should demonstrate I am God. My works should demonstrate it. He said, look at them. Look back at verse 32. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you stoning me? So Jesus is saying, judge me by my works, verse 32, and my good works. Now, the word good there means more than just being morally excellent. It means something beautiful, praiseworthy. Someone gave this analogy. It's kind of like if Rembrandt went back to preschool or elementary, and he gets his report card, and, and he got all A's, but got an elf in art class. And he goes before the teacher, and he takes all the paintings he's ever drew, all paintings in his lifetime. He, he puts them out. He said, and which one of these beautiful paintings is the reason I failed your class. Jesus is saying, in the, in the midst of a wicked, godless world, Every action, every word, every conversation I've ever had, it's always been spotless. You tell me what I have done that hasn't been good enough that I deserve to be stoned. I mean, not only is Jesus free from sin, he t- helped people. He traveled. He helped people, did an incredible miracles. He said, now tell me, which one of the beautiful works I've d- I did are you going to kill me? And not only that, a little sillier than that, he said, the works I do are from where? The Father. So this is what Jesus is saying. By the way, guys, which beautiful works of God working do you want to kill me for? You see, these, these men are so wrapped up in the religion, they miss the beauty and the glory of the Son of God standing right in front of them. These men are looking at Jesus, and they think Jesus is a man trying to make himself into God. What they didn't realize, he was God who made himself into a man. And so Jesus says, tell me the works. I mean, if, I, if I'm not really God, you should see it. But if I am God, there should be works out there. Tell me what works. Remember Nicodemus? Back in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus, and remember what he said to Jesus? He said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher sent from God because nobody can do the works you do unless God is with them. Nicodemus got it. We can't argue with Jesus because of his works. I I can almost imagine Jesus taking this a little further. Okay, guys, you tell me which works. Uh, Remember the paralytic? The guy couldn't walk. Now, he's walking. In fact, he's running now. Is is that the work you you don't think? not from God? Or, or what about the guy that was blind? Remember the guy that was blind and, and you persecuted him because I, I healed him and now he can see? Is that the work you don't think is the work of God? Help, help me out, guys. You, you tell me which one. Oh, it was feeding the 5,000. Remember when I fed over 5,000 people? Is that the work you don't think came from God? Or, or, or remember, did you hear about the storm the storm that, that I, I, I steeled with a simple word, is, is that the work you don't think came from God? You see, Jesus is saying, I am God, and if I'm not God, then there should be no works. But Jesus has already demonstrated he has power over nature. He has power over demons. He has power over sickness. And the response of the Pharisees and the scribes, verse 39... Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp. Jesus said, "I am the Father of one. By my words, I am the Son of God. By my works, I'm the Son of God. I have shown you the evidence. There is no be no doubt." And they would not accept it. And I love the fact. That Jesus gave them a second chance. You know, here they are. They're, they're picking up stones to kill Jesus. And he gives them one more, more chance when he said, hey, l- 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 let me talk a little bit more about my works. And they still wouldn't listen. John continues in verse 40. Jesus left Jerusalem and went down by the Jordan River and crossed over. He went to that area that John the Baptist had been baptizing. Now, this time, John the Baptist is dead. John the Baptist had been earlier had pointed to Jesus and said, that's the Son of God, that's the Lamb of God. So Jesus gets over there, and there are people who follow John the Baptist and they said, Jesus, you know, John didn't perform any miracles, but everything they, he said about you, that's true. Verse 41. Many came to him and were saying, while John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. They didn't believe in him in Jerusalem, but they believed there. Why? Because a man named John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, told them about Jesus, and they believed. And then when they found Jesus, they knew he was true. John said, I, I'm not the Messiah. I, I'm, not even, I'm not worthy to even undo the, uh, the latches on his sandals. But there comes one mightier than me. Who is Jesus? He's God. He's the Lamb of God. And like John the Baptist, we are to share our faith and we are to tell people about who Jesus is. They may not respond immediately, but don't fret. You planted a seed, and one day that seed will sprout, and they will know Jesus. MIT professor Rosaline Picard shares how she came to know Christ. Listen to her words. As early as grade school, when I was a straight-A student, I identified with being smart. And I believed smart people didn't need religion. As a result, I declared myself an atheist and dismissed people who believed in God as uneducated. In high school, I babysat for money. One of my favorite families was a young couple, both a husband, a doctor, and the wife were really sharp. One night, after paying me, they invited me to church, and I was stunned. People this smart actually went to church. When Sunday morning came around, I told them I had a stomach ache, and I didn't go. Eventually, the couple tried a different tra- tack. They said, going to church is not what matters most. What matters is what you believe. Have you read the Bible? The doctor suggested it started with Proverbs. And to my surprise, Proverbs were f- was filled with wisdom. I had to pause while reading think, and I, then I read through the entire Bible, and I felt this strange sense of being spoken to, and I began wondering whether there might really be a God. During my freshman year in college, I reconnected with a friend who was a straight-A student, a star on both basketball court and football field. I'd never known anyone so smart and athletic, and he invited me to his church. One Sunday, the pastor got my attention when he asked, Who is the Lord of your life? I was intrigued. I was the captain of my ship. But was it possible that God would actually be willing to lead me? In the spirit of Paschal Wager, I decided to run an experiment, believing I had much to gain but very little to lose. After praying, Jesus Christ, I ask you to be Lord of my life, my world changed dramatically. It was as if a flat, black-and-white existence suddenly turned full-color and three-dimensional. I felt joy and freedom, but also a heightened sense of responsibility and challenge. Today, I'm a professor at a top university, MIT, in my field. I work closely with people whose lives are filled with medical struggles, people whose children are not healthy. I do not have all the adequate answers to explain all their suffering, but I know there is a God of unfathomable greatness and love who freely enters into relationship with all those who confess their sins and call upon his name. I once thought I was too smart to believe in God. Now I know I was an arrogant fool who snubbed the greatest mind in the cosmos, the author of all science, mathematics, art, and everything else there is to know. Today I walk humbly, having received the most undeserved grace. What happened? Someone was willing to tell this girl the truth about Jesus. And as she began to investigate, she found the truth that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. Tonight, those of you here, those of you online, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And we either accept him or we reject him. There is no middle ground. Tonight, I encourage you to accept him. If you're watching online and you want to accept our Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, just text the word today at 270 398 5005, and someone will give you a call. If you're here tonight and you would like to give your life to Christ in a few moments, and we'll begin singing, just come to the front, talk to me or one of the ministers. But Jesus is the Son of God. And because of that, our lives should be different, how we treat people should be different. How we live life should be different because everything he has is under control. Would you stand by your heads? Father, I'm reminded of the two groups in our text tonight. Those Jewish leaders in Jerusalem who would not accept that Jesus was the Messiah and they rejected him. And then there's that other group, the Jews on the other side of the Jordan River, who believed. And Father, we are reminded you we can reject or we can believe, but what we cannot do is to ignore you. And so, Father, I pray tonight, if there's anyone here, or anyone watching online, who has never given their life to Christ in a personal way, let them do so. Or, Father, maybe someone who's struggling, They're seeking answers. Maybe they still have some questions about you. Father, I pray they will seek you out. Because, Father, we know when people seek you out, they will find you. Because you're always there. We pray now, Father, as we go into this time of invitation, this time of opportunity, speak to us, Father, with clarity and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.